Welcome back to another episode of the Draw Control Podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by senior on the Virginia women's lacrosse team, Casey Hogarth. Last season, Casey made it on the all on the ACC academic honor roll. Casey also made it on the inside lacrosse top senior list as she tallied 87 goals, 68 assists, 256 ground balls, and 167 cause turnovers, and 289 draw controls back in high school. Uh, Casey, it's super fun, and I'm super excited to get the chance to talk with you today. So how's everything going? Uh, everything's good. We're back here in Charlottesville, starting to practice, getting in the swing of things. Um, and I'm just really excited to be back with the team um, for one more year. Now, how was your summer this year? And did you do anything interesting, whether it was lacrosse related or not? Yeah, um, summer was great. Flew by way too fast. But um, I actually... Uh, the first week of August, right before I went back to school, um, I went to uh, Iceland with my family, uh, did a little family vacation there, did a lot of adventurous stuff. So it was cool to, you know, be training all summer, but then have that, you know, week break mentally where you could just kind of, you know, work out for fun and, you know, experience something really cool. That's awesome. How was Iceland? Oh, my gosh, it was beautiful. I highly recommend going. Um, it was a really good time to go because it's not warm there by any means, but it was, you know, like 60 degrees would be the probably like the nicest time. But the scenery was beautiful and the sun like never goes down. So that was uh, kind of threw me off my sleep schedule a little bit. But um, it was a really good experience. And I'm so thankful that I got the opportunity to go with my family. So outside of your fun Iceland trip, uh, what were some things that you worked on to get ready for fall ball, which, believe it or not, starts pretty soon, which is pretty crazy to think about? Yeah, um, I think I had a definitely a different approach to training this summer. You know, whenever I would go to the field or go to pick up or go work out with my trainer or anything, um, I would say my past summers of training, I would go just to work out. But I think this summer... I actually would, you know, write down like what I wanted to get out of this workout. So whether it was footwork, um, you know, stick protection, stick fakes in the midfield, um, you know, straight up conditioning, uh, anything like that. So I think I got a lot more out of the summer because I actually like would write down, you know, ways I would improve, whether it was like doing more conditioning reps, how many drops I had when I did wall ball and it was kind of like, I would make a competition with myself and that really helped me, um, you know, not only physically, but mentally prepare for fall ball. Cause I think this season um, for our team in particular, um, it's going to be a really special year. Uh, what are some drills you do to work on your stick protection? Um, so basically I would have um, some, some of my friends from the Philly area, we would just do dodging, um, and then we would actually have a football pad, like a dummy. Um, so instead of, you know, getting hit with like uh, the shaft all the time and having bruises the next day, we would actually just get a football dummy and just, you know, kind of like beat the crap out of each other, I would say, with the football dummy. And um, we would also, with the dummy, try to hit like sometimes the head of the stick or the butt of the stick now that we know that butt checking is a lot more common now in the game. Um, so just kind of preparing for that. Um, you know, we had fun with it, but it definitely got super physical. And uh, I'd say we all would probably like, we all think it was you know really useful to do over the summer. Now, I'm not sure what the NCAA rules are like, but when does your team like officially start practicing and what do you guys do during the fall to get ready for the season? 
Yeah, we um, have started practicing already. We just finished our eight hour week phase. So the NCAA obviously has a bit of a timeline where, um, you know, you can only work, uh, meet a certain amount of hours. Um, we just uh, finished the eight hour week and now we're entering 20 hours and it's been awesome. Obviously, it's new for everyone with our new coaching staff this year. So we're all learning new drills. And I think um, that's been really special because it's not like, the seniors are coming in and, you know, we know what we're doing and we're so confident. It's actually, you know, we're on the same uh, sort of understanding with the coaches that we are with the freshmen because um, we're still learning new drills. We're learning their style, their game. So we've been doing um, a lot of competition drills, a lot of man up, man down stuff so far. Um, but it's been, you know, really productive practices. I'd say the coaches have done an amazing job incorporating their style and also seeing our strengths. Um, and I would say we'd, we've had practice and lifts for first, you know, two, three weeks by now. And I'd say even with such a short amount of time, we've made amazing strides as a team. What's the transition like going from two different coaching staffs, especially as a senior? Because I know you probably went through it last year, but it must be sort of weird to do it over again uh, this yeah. season as well. Yeah, um, honestly, it's a little bit you know, when it is happening, um, you know, when you get the announcement, stuff like that, that your coach is leaving and then, you know, you're eager to see who you're gonna, uh, who, you know, UVA was going to hire. Um, to be honest, I had full faith in the UVA athletic department that they were going to pick up someone great. Um, I think the athletic department always does a good job, um, you know, learning the culture of our team and, you know, finding someone who's a great fit, but it's been really fun. Um, and it kind of, teaches you these life lessons where you kind of have to adapt and, you know, kind of deal with, uh, not so much deal, but, you know, kind of just in general, I guess, yeah, adapt with whatever's thrown at you because uh, you never know. And, you know, corporate America, when you're going to get a new boss, we're going to get transferred to like another wing of the company. So I would say it's been super useful for all of us. And, um, you know, we're all competing, we're all working hard. And I know Sonia and Coach Law and, uh, Kerrigan Miller and Kaylee Waters all appreciate it. So it's been awesome. Now it's crazy to think about that. You are a senior this year. So what type of leadership have you tried to bring to the team? And would you consider yourself more of a vocal leader or lead by example type of player? Um, I think I would say a little bit of both. Um, I would say vocal in terms of picking up uh, my teammates. If, you know, they think if they missed a shot or they missed a ground ball, anything like that. Um, you know, I'd say just cheering everyone on be being vocal, making sure that we're focusing on the little details. You know, it's always good to cheer someone on, but I think it's also useful to, um, again, like know what as a defender, especially, um, you know, just kind of reiterating like communication stuff is really important. Um, so I think in terms of being a vocal leader, I definitely try to remind my teammates, you know, what we're trying to get out of the drill and what coach Kerrigan Miller um, is trying to teach and then lead by example. I would say um, I try to always, you know, do extra reps during practice and, you know, I always try to push myself to, you know, try to be an example for the freshmen because when I was a freshman um, at Maryland, I had the privilege of, stay, you know, playing with girls like Lizzie Colson, who, you know, is like uh, obviously one of the world's best defenders as we've seen. So I think just, you know, being that role model for freshmen, not just, you know, if you're just being a great player, but if you're working hard um, and are easily coachable, you know, you want to be that example that someone was to you, you know, a short three years ago. 
Now, what are your team's goals and expectations uh, for the upcoming season? Uh, I think, you know, it's ACC. So I think it's anyone's game. Every game in the ACC is fair game. Um, and I think that's what makes the conference so special is, um, you know, any given day. It doesn't matter what the rankings, you know, are. I think anyone could be beaten. So I think our expectations are definitely high. We have a lot of good uh seniors returning like Mackenzie Hoag, Maggie Bostain, uh, Morgan Schwab, and we have a really good group of freshmen coming in that have been working uh, so hard, pushing themselves. And, you know, if you go to our practice, I would say there are some practices where you can't even tell that the freshmen are freshmen, you know, they're being vocal. Um, they've been doing a phenomenal job taking risks. So I would say this, se- this season, you know, our expectations are definitely high. Um, new coaching staff. So they're super hungry to, you know, get UVA um, back on the board too. So I'm really excited. So I now want to transition and talk about the beginning of your lacrosse career and sort of work all the way up to where you are today. Uh, So doing research on yourself, it says that you're from Havertown, Pennsylvania. So Mm -hmm. talk about growing up there and how you start playing lacrosse. Yeah. um, Havertown is honestly, I would say like one of the best places on earth to me. Um, Not only do I have amazing friends there but it was kind of cool a lot of my friends and I actually are playing um collegiate sports and I think the norm was you know we would come home from school whether it was like elementary school we all lived like walking distance from each other so we would all walk to each other's houses like no parent ever had to drive us and sometimes we would go to the field and you know play soccer and we all played basketball um so we would go to you know, the basketball courts down by the park or just go by the park in general or, you know, anything like that. So I think growing up there um, really helps you, you know, develop a love for sports and just like being around a team and um, cherishing relationship with your, excuse me, cherishing relationships with your teammates. Um, It's been awesome. And I think, you know, I played a lot of different sports as a kid. My parents both played sports, so they're big believers. And, you know, when you're young, you want to play multiple sports because you learn things from other sports that you can incorporate into, you know, your main sport. So I played basketball when I was little. I played soccer. I think all my friends and I played soccer when we were little. I was really big um, into field hockey as well when I was little. So I think playing lacrosse, you know, they had a little bit of a house pickup league. And because I played field hockey and I excelled on the field hockey field, you know, my mom was like, oh, it's another stick sport. Let's just (laughs) throw into lacrosse. I'm sure she'd be fine. And I fell in love with the speed of the game. And again, uh, my teammates were awesome. You know, I played with a lot of girls that were older than me, but I looked up to them. So learning from them and being able to share the field with them was really, really special. Yeah, like you mentioned, you also played field hockey in high school. So how do you think playing that sport helped you specifically in lacrosse? Because I'm assuming burnout wise, um, playing other sports definitely helps out with that. Because I feel like today, at least for me, I feel like a lot of players now don't really play multiple sports um, in high school. And I feel like that has a negative effect in college. And I feel like you see that sometimes. Yeah, it's a shame. I think, um, you know, when you play only one sport, Um, especially when you're in middle school and in high school, you kind of almost look at it like it's a job and sports shouldn't be a job. You know, I think when you go to college, yeah, we're required to go to class, but we're not required to play lacrosse. Like you can quit the lacrosse team at any time. You can't quit school and then quit lacrosse. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. So I think playing multiple sports um, really helps you 
mentally kind of like decompressed because when I was committed to Maryland for lacrosse, but I was still playing high school field hockey at Agnes Irwin and, you know, Philly field hockey is really, really intense. I would say it's definitely the hotbed um, in the U S but it didn't, I didn't treat it like that because, you know, it wasn't my main sport and it was just fun. And I think, but it was still super competitive, which really helped me. And, you know, we had for field hockey, a lot of conditioning tests that directly uh, translated to lacrosse. So when I was playing fall ball, I was always in great shape. And I think also like the field spacing and um, just the hand-eye really helped. Um, You know, my mom played field hockey as well. So she would always try to teach me like certain lanes and off-ball movement um, that I did on the field hockey field. And then when I started playing lacrosse and started shooting lacrosse seriously, it was kind of the same way, you know, when you're trying to clear the ball, um, you know, goalies are trying to look for the off ball movement and, you know, the like fadeaway cut, um, it all translates. So I think, you know, I still credit my college lacrosse career a lot to, um, the college, the, you know, the, the field hockey coaches that I had growing up, they were great. Um, and even though I was playing lacrosse, they still pushed me on the field hockey field. So that was just really good for me as an athlete, you know, to develop. Growing up, did you have like a favorite lacrosse player team that you like to watch? Yeah, um, my grandfather actually played um, baseball at Maryland. So when I was little, I remember when I first really started getting into lacrosse, um, I believe North Carolina won it that year, but it was at Villanova Stadium. I forget what year it was. I want to say maybe it was like 2012. Um, It was the first year Carolina won it. But Maryland was in the final four. And I remember going to their game and, you know, watching them warm up and they were doing their stick warm up and they were doing quick sticks and like their, their passes were all like, so, you know, to me, like when I was at that age, like they were all so perfect. So like literally there was no one dropped the ball. They were so close to each other. They had the quickest hands ever. So uh, right then and there, I became a huge Maryland fan. And obviously my mom's side of the family being from the DC area, it was pretty easy, you know, to fall in love with, um, you know, the whole Maryland lacrosse uh, scene. And before college, like you mentioned, you played for your high school at Agnes Irwin. Um, Mm -hmm. What was your high school lacrosse experience like and what did you take away from it? And what's like the best memory you have from your high school lacrosse experience when you look back on it now? Yeah, um, so I played for coach Jen Duckenfeld at Agnes Irwin. She now owns Dynasty Elite. And um, I think anyone in the lacrosse community knows who she is. She's an amazing coach. She's really tough, but um, you know, it's all out of love and it was so special to uh, play for her, especially as an eighth grader, you know, when a coach that story believes in you and, you know, puts you on the field as an eighth grader, it just, you know, she installs so much belief in us. Um, and I think, uh, my experience because, you know, Agnes Irwin during my time there, you know, we were a top ranked team nationally, I would say, I think we were top 10 every year. Um, so it was really cool to, be able to play teams from the Baltimore area and, you know, the DC area was really special. Um, I think that we had a schedule, honestly, that was really similar to college. So when I went to, you know, play college across my freshman year, the hours um, didn't really phase me because um, coach Duckenfeld did prepare us um, in terms of that. And, you know, just the time commitment. And I would say my favorite memory is probably my freshman year. Um, we played at um, Good Council High School in Maryland. And I would say we were ranked, I think, 
between 10 and 15 and they were actually ranked number two or three. And we ended up beating them by one on their home field. And then the next day was actually our spring break trip to Florida. So it was just like good vibes all around. Like not only did we win, but we were going to Florida next day um, to play some of the schools down there. So that was probably just the most fun I've ever had in, um, you know, a span of like five days um, in my high school lacrosse career. Now, originally you went to Maryland. Um, so talk about your recruiting process with that university and what made you want to go to Maryland versus the schools you might have looked at at that time. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Maryland does a great job of recruiting. They really sell the school and they sell the culture. Um, and I think, again, like I said earlier, I grew up a Maryland fan. Um, it wasn't too far from home but it wasn't too close. So that was really attractive to me as, you know, a junior in high school. So my parents could still come to games comfortably, you know, make a day trip out of it. Cause obviously I wanted to, um, I wanted them to have the opportunity to watch me play. And, you know, just from being on campus and, you know, with the coaches, you know, with coach Kathy, coach Kenneth and um, coach Caitlin Phipps, I think they just really sell the culture and they have done, such an incredible job of, you know, upholding this amazing bond that all the girls have together. You know, even though I still know some girls that played at Maryland, but I didn't even play with them, but I just know them because they come back to alumni events. So they really do create a strong um, culture and they develop life, you know, lifelong relationships. So, um, and I think it's pretty evident when you go to a Maryland, um, when Maryland is in the final four for lacrosse, you see that alumni section and it's like even current coaches, like we, you know, we play against Loyola every year, but then when we're in the final four and Loyola doesn't make it, you see like Jed Adams and Dana Doby, like with all their Maryland stuff on. So um, it's so special to see. So I think, you know, a junior in high school, when I had the opportunity to go represent Maryland and, you know, play for the Terps, I think it was a pretty easy decision. Now, as a freshman, what was like the biggest adjustment you had to make to college lacrosse? Uh, I would say the physicality of it. You know, there's a lot of things that are a foul in high school that are not even considered a foul in college. So um, I think there are a couple practices where, you know, I would like, you know, jack someone up or hit someone and I would stop because I think it was a foul. And, you know, Coach Kenneth would be like, no, like you need to keep playing. That's not a foul. So I would say that was probably the biggest adjustment. Um, but you know, the coaches were super patient and, you know, were always like willing to help me out with that. So that was awesome and super useful. Now, during your time with Maryland, uh, you guys won a Big Ten championship against Rutgers and also made it to the final four women's lacrosse, which was held in Baltimore that year. Just talk about your time with the Terps and sort of of being a part of those team accomplishments as well, because that must have been super special. Like, uh, especially the Big Ten Championship, because that's super hard to win with all the good teams that are in that conference. Yeah, I think, you know, it was hosted at Rutgers that year. And um, my freshman year, we actually, um, you know, lost to Rutgers on that field. So we didn't have the best memories from that field, but we knew like, oh, we have this opportunity to make an even better memory. So we played together, especially for the Big Ten Championship. We had an amazing game plan. We knew that Rutgers was going to come out as hard um, and we, you know, all we were talking about that whole week was, you know, the controllables, you know, we can't control, we don't know what Rutgers game plan is. We can't control it, but we do have each other and we know what our game plan is. And if we stick to that, 
and we play together and we play for each other, um, you know, the championship, I think, will fall in our lap pretty easily. And I think it did. And when we won that game, I think by, a, you know, I think we actually did get running clock that game. And, you know, Aurora accordingly, still one of my best friends to this day, won MVP, did so well. You know, we were also happy for each other, for her. Um, and it was truly, you know, just such a united team. And we all knew when we won that game, like, oh, we're totally going to make the final four. And when we made the final four, it was so special. I think, you know, when you get the opportunity to play in the final four in your home state at Maryland, there's nothing like it. We, you know, went out for the game. And even though the game against BC didn't go in our favor, we still felt the Maryland support and the Maryland pride. And just, you know, being a part of a team that, you know, went through so much adversity and had to really adjust from the 2021 season and do a complete turnaround. Um, it was so special to be a part of. And um, I wouldn't trade that season or, you know, that opportunity for the world. It was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Why did you transfer to Virginia after your sophomore year or junior, uh, I should say? Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, I just realized uh, Virginia might have been a better fit for me, not just as a lacrosse player, but just as a student athlete in general. Um, and I looked at Virginia previously uh, in my high school recruiting process, and I still loved Virginia. I loved Coach Myers and the culture that she had at Virginia. And, uh, you know, our team actually has a lot of Philly kids. So in terms of, um, you know, the social aspect, I was never really – that worried because I knew that all the girls I'm from the Philly area, you know, would uh, take me in under their wing and, you know, kind of help me out and help me adjust. So I think just, it was a better fit for me overall, just as a student athlete. And, um, but again, I've, I couldn't, you know, I had the best of both worlds. I got to go to Maryland um, for two years and now I'm about to graduate, um, you know, this upcoming May from Virginia. So um, I, could not be more grateful uh, for the opportunity that, you know, both coaches gave me to represent to, you know, such storied teams in the NCAA. And you also got to play in the ACC and Big Ten, uh, which are both arguably the best conferences for women's lacrosse. What's it like being a player in those conferences? And is there like a difference in style of play between the two uh, from your perspective? Yeah, I would say um, the Big Ten is definitely, I would say more physical. Like, you know, you watch a Big Ten game, um, you know, bodies are flying, girls play so hard, you know, and it's awesome to be a part of. It's really cool to, you know, have that mentality of like, just go all out, you know, like run through a brick wall. I would say the ACC, you know, especially from being a defender and playing against Big Ten and ACC attackers, Big Ten attackers, you know, you look at players like Izzy Skane, for example, who's not just super skilled, but she's very athletic and very powerful. So I think she is um, you know, a great example of what the Big Ten play tries to, you know, like advertise. It's just super physical, super tough. And then you look at ACC when, you know, I would say it's a lot more finesse and a lot more like skill, um, not so much skill, but like a lot more finesse. You know, the play is a little bit more graceful. You see a lot of crazy, you know, behind the back passes, you know, from players like, you know, you see Syracuse and Syracuse, they play super tough, but they also play super finesse and super graceful and their stick work is really pretty to watch. So, um, you know, I think in comparison, that is like probably my biggest comparison um, between the two conferences. But again, um, 
both conferences are great. It's kind of anyone's game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of highlight real goals from the ACC, at least from, from what I've noticed yeah. over the past few years. Yeah. Now, obviously uh, this past season with UVA, you had a really good team and season, but unfortunately lost to Notre Dame in the ACC playoffs in a very back and forth game. Um, and then you got upset by Albany in the NCAA tournament. Uh, even though it was a good season for your team, what would you, what did you just take away from your team's performances after coming up short in both those um, in both those tournaments? Um, I think, well, first of all, like you have to give credit, you know, where credit's due. And I think especially in you know, Notre Dame's a great team and, you know, we played them in ACC's. Um, so we, you know, that was the second time we played Notre Dame and Notre Dame played a great game. They definitely adjusted to from the first time we played them when we beat them in Charlottesville. But um, I think, you know, the NCAA tournament was obviously heartbreaking, you know, because we did have such a great team. And I think we really lucked out with the seed. I thought, you know, we were definitely really happy that we got to play Albany and then had the opportunity to play Denver. Um, but unfortunately, we didn't uh, make it to the Denver game. So I think the biggest lesson we learned is to never look ahead. You still have to, you know, take one game at a time. And I think Albany in that game, just in the second half, especially, they just outplayed us. And, you know, it just stinks because it's it's NCAA tournaments, win or go home. So we didn't have the opportunity um, to have that second chance um, with that particular team that season. But I think, you know, especially me personally, I had to look at it like, okay, you know, failure right now, like for this team might be a good thing because we have a ton of returners coming back. Um, and we have a ton of seniors that graduated that we will want to push ourselves even harder for. So we make up for this game because no one wants to ever end their career like that. Um, so I think from my perspective, I've been looking at it like, all right, like we lost to Albany last year. Now we have something even bigger to prove, you know? So we learn from our mistakes. Um, and I think we still talk about that game and how, you know, we just have to, you know, when things get tough, you know, lacrosse is definitely a game of runs. And even when Albany, we just let Albany, I think, have a run for a little bit too long. And we didn't really, you know, put our foot down and, you know, say like, no, this isn't going to happen. You know, we're Virginia, you know, we have to win this game. We want to go to the final four. But unfortunately, I think Albany just had a little bit more, um, you know, toughness in them during that game. And I think we just learned that, you know, you can never rest on your laurels and everyone wants to be Virginia. We have a huge target on our backs. Uh, one more question I want to ask you before we get to the final questions for this interview is uh, what would you say is like the biggest improvement you've made to your game uh, as a defender in college? Um, I would say I was definitely, I've tried over the years to be a little bit more active with my stick. I think I learned from field hockey, you know, just to stay low and watch your hips and have good body positioning. But you see all these um, defenders causing turnovers, being active and a little bit more aggressive with their sticks and the game overall throughout my time has gotten more aggressive. So I've definitely been um, still, you know, I think you can always improve, but just trying to work on, you know, really disrupting attackers and, you know, not only just, you know, putting a, my shaft on their body, but, you know, making their stick, um, you know, then protect their stick more and just getting them a little bit rattled. So, you know, they either drop the ball and the ball is going our way or even, you know, they're forced to pass it. 
Um, so I would say getting a lot more active with my stick, you know, trying to get knockdowns, butt checks, um, all that stuff. So we're now in a segment I have to call the non-lacrosse segment, where I ask you some non-lacrosse questions just to get to know you a little bit more off the field. So first one is, if there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play yourself? Um, Jennifer Aniston, because she's in like all my favorite movies, all my favorite shows. And she literally still looks the same from when she was like 25 to when she was 40. So um, she's just um, a great actor and I just love her so much. What music do you like to listen to? Country music. Big Morgan Wallen fan. That's what seems like everyone seems to be listening to. Yeah, I've been to two of his concerts. It's been so much fun. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm definitely a big fan of his as well, but I I would say I'm more into like hip hop or uh, rock music than country, yeah. but country is definitely a good vibe to listen to sometimes. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what's the most underrated holiday and what's the most overrated holiday? Uh, the most underrated holiday is Thanksgiving. I would say that Thanksgiving is better than Christmas. Um, I think, you know, there's nothing better than, you know, watching football all day, which is like a ton of food around you. It's so much fun. Um, and then the most overrated is easter i just you know it's like it's so weird like when i was a kid when my brother and i were kids you know we didn't never really believe that like there was like an easter bunny hopping around so i always just thought the holiday was kind of weird if i'm being honest well if there's any kids listening to this podcast the easter bunny is uh (laughs) real um so uh, at least from what i've been told by different sources so yep exactly that's okay you can believe whatever you want um, I would say underrated for me is probably um, I would say Thanksgiving and then overrated is probably New Year's Eve. I just think um, yeah, you're, I you're just waiting for a clock. That's pretty much it. So that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Now you have the best style on the Virginia women's lacrosse team, but besides yourself, who would you say has the best style off the field? Um, Finley Barger, a second year from Baltimore. She always walks into the locker room with the cutest outfits. And I actually texted her last week saying, Hey, like, where do you get your clothes? My birthday is coming up. So it's like, oh, hey, where do you get your clothes? Like, you know, just because I want to shop there or ask, um, ask for some pieces for my birthday. So yeah, shout out Finley Barger. She has great style. Now, last non-lacrosse question is, what's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Uh, so for one of my classes, I actually read an article on um, how, you know, AI is going to change the um, whole system and face of, uh, marketing. So I read a piece on that and I want to get into marketing. So it's been, um, really, you know, informative to read all those pieces and AI is making huge strides in society right now, especially in, you know, the economy and how it's taking over jobs. So that was interesting to read. I don't know if I should be worried or excited about that. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I think it definitely depends on the job department for sure. But it definitely is super interesting to see how, you know, our generation is completely turning and how technology is, you know, kind of just like taking over. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, back to some lacrosse questions now before we end this interview. Just one more really is just what should be done to help grow women's lacrosse from your perspective? Yeah. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends and, you know, a lot of family out on the West Coast and they all some of my, you know, cousins play soccer, um, out there. And it's crazy because, you know, I see them and I see how athletic they are and they're mid low, mid to low tier division one soccer players. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, if you put a lacrosse stick in her hands and you, you know, 
coach her with the stick work and the field sense, she would be able to go wherever she wants. And we are seeing it. You know, we see kids from Colorado. We see, you know, Charlotte North from Texas, obviously um, made some huge developments, but I still think it could be grown a bit more. And I think, you know, it's not so much the kids, it's the coaching. I think, you know, once we get a lot of good coaches living out in the areas like, you know, Denver, Colorado, Texas, even like places like Arizona, um, Utah, we have a girl from Utah on our team that would talk about it too. Um, and I think once we have, um, that stability and that coaching level out there, I think, um, the game will definitely be not so much East coast dominated like it is right now. Now, one more question I want to ask you is, do you have any shout outs you want to give, uh, 10 year teammates, family members, or friends, and, uh, who should we have on the podcast next? Yeah, I think, um, you know, my, anyone on my team, I love everyone on my team. Um, you know, they're all like my sisters. Um, so honestly, anyone on the UVA team would be more than happy to come on this. And I think, um, in terms of just my friends, you know, I'm best friends, um, still to this day with, uh, Kate Seitz. She's a fifth year, um, attacker from Maryland. She would be awesome to have, um, on the podcast as well. Um, but and um, also Campbell Case is one of my friends. She's also from California. I went to go visit her this past summer. Um, she plays at Hopkins. So she would be awesome to hear, you know, the transition from West Coast to East Coast. She was on my club team um, back in high school and she would actually fly from, you know, New that's where she lives, Newport Beach, all the way to the East Coast. So I think hearing her insight on it would be super awesome for the podcast. I appreciate those suggestions and we'll definitely reach out and uh, see what happens. But uh, Casey's, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. It means a lot to myself. I think you're an incredible player and an even better person. So I just want to let you know that. And I wish you nothing but the best for the upcoming season. I know your team is going to make uh, even more strides uh, next season like you guys did last year. Thank you so much. I appreciate coming on here. Thank you.